Shabbat Shalom. <clears throat> so, as you all know, go ahead and bring me down a little bit. As you all know, evil is all around us, right? It's all around us. It is self-evident. I've entitled this teaching today, Overcoming Evil. It has Israel and the Jewish people and the followers of Jesus in its crosshairs. This all started a long time ago, all the way back in the Garden of Eden. That's where the serpent shows up and begins his assault on the people of God. It's been accelerating ever since. The good news is, God is our champion. Say with me, God is our champion. That's right. With him, we cannot fail. So he sent us his son to deliver us from evil, to send his son to deliver us from the one who has attacked us. And Jesus, he has equipped us and will use us to rescue others from the attack of the enemy. So the word of the Lord to you, the word of the Lord to me is fear not, for I am with you. So we're finishing up Revelation chapter 12. I didn't quite get there last week, so I'm going to try to do it today. We'll see what happens, right? So I always have these well-intentioned uh, short sermons that just, just blow up in the middle of pre presentation. So, uh, so exciting, though. It's just an exciting time to be alive. I, I wouldn't want to live it any other time. I mean, a lot of exciting times, but man, what's going on in the world right now is just almost unprecedented. So as we uh, think back to Revelation chapter 12, what we've learned so far is that Satan finally makes his move in the heavenlies with his fallen angels, a coup d'etat. He's going to overthrow heaven. He attacks the host of heaven. Michael, the archangel, leading, of course, the armies of God. And this war breaks out in the heavenlies. Well-timed. Satan waited all this time before he finally, at what he thought would be the right time, tried to overthrow, in a military coup, heaven itself. Him and his angels, though, were overcome, and they were cast down to the earth. Satan now is removed from the heavenlies. He no longer has access to the heavenlies. You know, the, the writer says, Rejoice, O heavens, right? But woe to you, who? The earth. For the devil and his angels have been thrown down to you, and he knows that his time is short. So, in rage, he fills the hearts of King Herod and his men to slay baby Jesus. God intervenes in numerous ways to deliver Jesus and his mother from harm's way. Satan ultimately has Jesus crucified, thinking he has finally triumphed and has another shot at this coup d'etat, but God raises his son out of Satan's realm of death and lifts him up into the realm of heaven, where he now sits at the right hand of God and is untouchable. Satan then turns and focuses his anger on the woman, Israel, the Jewish people, and the followers of Jesus. That's where we left off. Welcome to the war. Revelation 12, 15, it goes on to say, And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman 
so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. You ever been in a flood? How many people saw the movie Impossible? The Impossible, yeah, that was a flood movie. If you haven't seen it, go get that movie. I mean, when you're in a flood, you're not going to make it. If you're caught in an actual flood, you're going to die. There's all kinds of debris that will take you out. And if somehow you survive the debris, you're going to weaken and through exhaustion be taken under by the waters. Okay? So when we look at this passage and what's being described here, keep in mind, it's symbolic. Right? This is symbolic language. It's trying to communicate something. There's no real serpent. It's Satan, right? And what comes out of his mouth? Like, like water? Water comes out like a river? No, that's symbolic too. He wants to cause her to be swept away, i.e., he wants to destroy her. How do we know this? We see the antecedent theology that John's drawing off of out of the Tanakh. Psalm 144, I'll give you a couple of examples. King David here, primarily writing his Psalms in relationship to Saul, who's trying to kill him. Stretch out your hands from above. Snatch me. Rescue me from raging waters and from foreigners' hands. Their mouths speak lies. Their right hands take false pledges. David's saying, rescue me, Lord, from these raging waters. Literal waters? Is he in a flood? What's happening here? He's describing the attack of Saul on his life and others that are trying to take him and remove him as king over Israel. And he describes what they're doing, their attack, primarily through words, as a raging flood of waters. Psalm 32. I'm not sure what verse, but you can find it later. But it's in Psalm 32. It says, For this reason, let all godly people pray to you when you may be found. Then raging flood water will not reach them. Interesting, isn't that? Raging floodwaters, a floodwaters of lies, slander, libel, deceit, right? To take you and me out. Keep in mind that Satan is the father of lies. He uses lies about Israel. He uses lies about the Jewish people. He uses lies against those that are grafted into her. Think about it. What we see on national headlines throughout the world, throughout the world, we saw in the headlines that Israel was to be to blame for the October 7th attack, that, that it's her fault that she was attacked. She's the one that initiated that. It's like, what? I mean, who in their right mind would believe that? No one. But if enough people are saying it in enough high places, it begins to sway their opinion. And then what happens when opinions are swayed? What happens to Israel when she's trying to stop the genocide against her? The world rushes in through the lies to try and force her to stop and retreat, which, which would actually then facilitate her own destruction. See, all of this starts with lies and works its way down to actions that are taken based on the falsehoods. This is how the enemy works. With the flood of lies, he takes people out. Another lie about Israel. Well, she's the oppressor. 
she's occupying our land, right? See, see, if that's true, it changes everything, how we view Israel, how we respond to Israel. And we all know, anyone that's done any study in terms of history knows that Israel, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, lived in the land long before the Palestinians. You know, these are lies once again. This is how the enemy works. It's very effective. It's very effective. So because she's the occupier, because she's the oppressor, she brought this on herself. From the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free. That's the chant that calls for genocide. It's in their their founding documents. What they're calling for is this, the elimination of every Jew in the land. And where do we put them? In the sea. Drive them in the sea. It is a call for genocide. This is a war of words. This is a war of ideology. And based on what you buy into, you're going to position yourself either for Israel or against Israel. Okay, spoiler. Choose Israel. God says, God says through his prophets, she's a trembling cup in the end of the age. And every nation that tries to move her from her place will be severely injured. The other thing you got to watch out for is Jewish karma. I mean, it's a real deal. God said long ago concerning his people, don't dig a pit for them unless you want to fall in it. Right? Isn't that true? Jewish karma. What you plan for others actually comes to you. Pharaoh's plan. What was his plan? I'm going to destroy all the males, all the Hebrew male children. I'm going to destroy them in the Nile. He commanded them to be drowned in the Nile. He knew by by drowning the men that Israel would never fulfill what God had called her to do. So he had a plan. Drown the newborns in the Nile. Ah, Jewish karma. What happened? How'd that end for the king of Egypt? Pharaoh's best men, his strongest men, the men that made his empire, God drowns in the Red Sea. He did to Pharaoh and his men what Pharaoh planned to do to Israel and their men. Jewish karma. Satan attacks us corporately, i.e. Israel, those that are associated, and he also attacks us as individuals. He'll accuse you of things that are not true. He'll accuse you of things that are true. <laughs> Sometimes the true things can take us down. Is that, is that true, right? But God is gracious. He's overseeing everything. We're to trust in him. But Satan is an accuser of the brethren, and he's a liar, and he's a deceiver, and he speaks that which is false. He can't tell the truth. He'll lie about you and try to persuade others to oppress you and hurt you. He will use people to do his bidding, and he'll use institutions to bring it to pass. We see this over and over and over playing out in our nation right now, in the nations, but especially in our nation. The enemy wants to 
lie to you and lead you away from God and ultimately take your life. He, he, he wants you to lead you away from the Lord, enslave you, and then kill you in the end. That's his plan. Well, you know, I've told this story before. Um, my wife and I were in ministry early on. This is very early on, maybe 40 years ago, but we were leading our youth ministry and had a podcast going on or a radio program back then. They didn't have podcasts. We were on radio. And, uh, but, but God was doing so many things. It was so amazing. We were just really enjoying ministry. And, and there were several things that had happened to us that were like pretty big deals, but God rescued us over and over and over. He's the God of deliverances, plural, plural. Deliverance, you know, comes to us as we seek him, call out on him, he'll deliver us, right? So we left this prayer meeting that we were in with some other leaders and uh, we had just had beautiful intercession and worship and we prayed and it was a little bit past midnight and, and uh, just, just, just things that you either say are a coincidence or maybe it's God, right? Uh, but I remember that night because we were praying and I just felt the presence of God on me. It was so heavy, it was so heavy. And uh, when, when we stopped praying, I stepped back. Everyone kind of w w were stepping back from the circle we were in to get our stuff because we were leaving. And the footprints in the carpet, mine were like really super deep. And the ones around everyone else were like nothing. And there's people like bigger than me there, you know? But I remember I saw that and I was just like, Lord, I felt you, so, you were like so heavy on me. And oh my gosh, look at the carpet, you know? So I didn't say anything because that sounds like, oh, come on. That's just coincidence. You're reading thing, too many things. No, I hid that in my heart. I thought, no, no, I feel the Lord really heavy on me, and he's given me a little sign that, yeah, you know, and even if that was just in my eyes, which I don't think it was, I think it was in the carpet, but he could have done it just with my eyes. He's communicating that, yes, son, my hand is on you in a good way. So I told Donna on the way home, I said, I really feel the presence of the Lord. She says, I do too. She, I, I told Donna, I said, either she told me or I told her, we were driving down I-25. She told me, Donna looks at me, she goes, she goes, you know, I wonder, I wonder how the devil's going to take us out this next time. How he's going to try to take us out this, the next time. And uh, she no sooner said that to me. I looked at her when she said that. I turned back around. She no sooner said that. And on I-25 with cement corridors on both sides, we had got four lanes going one way. Other side, four lanes going the other way. Cement corridors till the next exit. And I see way down, probably a mile down the road, headlights coming towards us. I told Don, I said, Don, Don. I said, that car's on our side of the highway. I mean, he's flying down the road. He's not, he's not stalled out, you know. He's actually driving down our road like he thinks it's a divided highway, you know. He's just blasting down the road, you know. She goes, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know, there's a car in front of us. I said, I don't know. I said, hold on, hold on, hold on, you know. So we're like going, and this car gets closer and closer. The first car swerves out of the way, and I thought, do I swerve or do I stay the course? Because sometimes if you swerve, you can draw a car into you. You know what I'm saying? If you go to swerve and they're already turned that way, it's, you know. So I'm thinking to myself, I can't get off the road. Got cement pylons, right? And if I pull, I can't get past the pylons, which means I'm going to head, head on, right? So I thought, just don't do anything. Wait till he moves first. He's got to be high or drunk or whatever. So I got to wait for him. And if he moves to the left, we're moving to the right, right? So it's like, it's like chicken, except for real, you know? Oh my gosh, so this car's coming, coming, coming. I just stay the course, he stays the course. We go by, and when he goes by, I looked at him. He looks at me. I, I mean, our, I think our, our, our little window, our um, river mirrors, gosh, they were like an inch. I mean, this guy was so close. We saw each other's face, 
and, and he just shot by. I told my wife later in the spirit, in the spirit, it looked probably different, right? In the spirit, we probably had angels on our car, around our car, big swords. There's probably demons throwing fireballs or whatever, you know. But they're like, that's the devil going to try to take us out. He works through human agency. God works through human agency. This war is both spiritual and physical. And the devil had a plan to take us out that night. And as that car shot past us, I looked up in the rearview mirror, Don screams, and he hits the car behind us head on like a bomb. It blew up glass, metal, unbelievable. Took the front end of this car off, knocked the axle, the tire, everything off. His car, it was a Cadillac uh, Savelle or Deville or whatever it was called back in the day, if you're older. I know I'm looking at you guys, but okay. <laughs> you don't call them elders for nothing, right? Okay. So, but all four tires on the car blew up. All four tires. The impact was so, so enormous, you know. Um, but we, we were spared. And I, there's more of the story, but, you know, just, just to get to the point, the devil wants to lead you astray, enslave you, and then take your life. God is a God of deliverances. We need to, to not take for granted who God is and this war. Don't take it for granted. You know, speak like the song. Speak the name of Jesus over everything. Speak it over your streets, your businesses. Speak it over your marriage. Speak it over your family. You know, you're no match for the enemy. You and I are no match for the enemy. He's too wise, too ancient. I mean, you know, if you, if you think you can endure the attack of the enemy being passive, forget it. If he says, I'm going to take your marriage out, he'll take it out. If he says, I'm going to take your business down or your health or whatever, you're, you're no match. Your only hope is this. You're serving the Lord and you're calling on his name. If so, if so, you will be delivered. You will be delivered. You said, well, what about all those people that aren't delivered, you know, that have died, right? Huh. Well, they went straight to the throne of God where they're sitting on one of the thrones next to Jesus, still engaged in this war on our behalf from the heavenlies. We don't die. Our lives are eternal. God is going to deliver us over and over and over. And then one final big deliverance when we're like, oh my gosh. Jesus, what are you doing here? And he's like, what are you doing here? You know, oh, okay, so I'm here now, okay. So, but it's still a win. It's still a deliverance, right? With God, our lives go on. Okay. So, three, three effective solutions to the attack of the enemy. Number one, number one, number one tool in your toolbox for spiritual warfare. Number one, pray pray. We don't understand the power of prayer. If we did, we'd pray every day. Yes. I'm telling you right now, prayer moves mountains. Yes. Prayer changes things. Yes. Prayer changes the future. Yes. It's unbelievable what prayer can do. James 5.16 The effective prayer of a righteous man, and the word man there is gender neutral for in terms of the theology of this, the effective prayer of a righteous person can accomplish much. 
a mom, a dad, a spouse, a brother, a sister, even children, your prayers can make a difference. You can make a difference with your prayers for your friends, for your schools, where you're at in your life. You can make a difference in the things around you. The Lord doesn't say, come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. He would never invite us to come and to dialogue if he wasn't open to changing what he's going to do. Just amazing. Abraham negotiates with God over Sodom and Gomorrah and, and the destruction that's coming to the city. God says, dialogue with me. Join me in this great plan of redemption. I can move things around. I can change things. Pray. Pray with faith. Trust God. Know that he hears your prayers and that he'll answer those prayers. I could tell, you could tell me story after story after story. I could tell you story. I, you know, here's Jessica, you know. Both my girls, they dreaded homeschooling, you know. So uh, we put them in, pub, uh, in public school, but we basically said, you mess up even once, we're going to homeschool you. Oh, my gosh. You know, they, they did really well, you know. But I remember Jessica, she said, like, I want to go to school so bad. I want to go to school. I said, I'm not going to put you in the public schools, you know, not going to do that. Not, not that you can't do that. You can, but there's a lot of challenges. But I just said, I'm not going to do that. You know, I said, you're going to have to go to a private school, you know. And she says, uh, and I said, that, 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 that costs a chunk of change. I don't know if you looked into it. I mean, it's a lot of money, right? And I said, we don't got no money. I said, but if you want to go, you get on your knees and you tell your father in heaven you want to go to a private school. I said, you get on your knees, you pray that in. You go do that. And she did. She went and prayed. I don't know if it was a couple days. It was a very short period of time. She just, just prayed, told God, I want to go to school. Yeah. Our family pastor calls me up. Hey, Mark, what's going on? Not much. Hey, I got some uh, good news. I said, what's that? He says, I'm pulling my son out of public school. I'm sorry. He says, I'm pulling my son out of private school. He's not doing well there. We're going to homeschool him. I said, oh, okay. Well, I'll be praying about that. He says, yeah, the good news is, is uh, I've got all this tuition I set aside for his private school. He says, do you know anyone that wants the tuition so they can go to private school? I said, yeah, my daughter. We took that one-year tuition that he had set aside for his son and spent that to send our daughter to private school. And then she finished all those years in private school. God kept making a way, making a way, touching people's hearts. There were so many people, some of you here, giving so my daughters could go to private school. God works through human agency. And he made a way through many people to do what was in her heart. Why? She prayed. I'm convinced of this. I am convinced. Had she not prayed, the money would not have been available. You have not because you ask not. Ask your Father in heaven. He loves to give good gifts. Not that you get everything you ask for, but you'll get what you need. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. Don't even go there. I'm resisting. Okay. So pray. That's number one. Number two, truth. Number two. I am not getting through this one either. This is like the never-ending sermon. Okay. <clears throat> Truth is the next one. If the flood of water is symbolic of lies designed to sweep you away, 
Truth is the weapon to dismantle it. The opposite of a lie is the truth. How do you stop the lie? With the truth. The truth is the game changer in this warfare. John 8, 30 through 32. Jesus was saying this. Many people believed in him. So Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you live by what I say, you are truly my disciples. Verse 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. From what? From whatever bondage the lie is holding you in. The truth will set you free. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. Our weapons that we fight with aren't human, but instead they are powered by God for the destruction of fortresses that destroy arguments, every defense that is raised up to oppose the knowledge of God. That's our weapons. Truth, the word of God. It's our sword. It's how we fight the lies that are destroying our nation, our culture, our people, our world. We fight that with the truth. We're in a war about what is true and what is false. The truth is we're made in the image of God. And that image is binary. We are either biologically male or biologically female. It's a big war. It's changing all of our institutions. It's turning everything upside down. It's creating nothing but chaos and heartbreak and a lot of devastation for, for our younger, younger people. Men cannot become women. Women cannot become men. That's the truth. These are lies that bring psychological, physiological, social curses to a nation that embraces. They will corrupt an entire culture and a nation, bringing them to total collapse. Another big lie, the new definitions of racism. Let me tell you something. They're false. They're perversions. The new definition doesn't work. It's not, in, it's not even designed to work. It's designed to wreak havoc on our culture and to flip us as a nation to a godless, lawless state. This new definition is turning everyone against everyone. The lies about the China virus and the vaccines are now proven and illustrate while our government healthcare institutions cannot be trusted. Take the vaccine. It'll stop the virus. And if you have it, it'll at least stop it from transmission. Lies. Lies. We all know they're lies. We all know it. the truth is out. They lied to us. It was a lie. But they shut down our churches. They said, oh, God, shut down the church. Keep the strip joints open. Keep the pot shots open. But shut down the church. It was from the enemy. He's using our institutions to silence us, to stop us, to take away our rights, and it's time that we fight back. I am out of time. I'm just so, I'm so mad. I'm in the middle, and I got to stop. I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of what I know. I want to keep going, but then my staff will persecute me. <laughs> I'll pick this up next week. Shabbat shalom. God is for you. Who can stand against you? Fear not, the Lord is with you. Shabbat shalom.